Hey, what's up, family? And welcome to the Eagles Nest Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with Senior Pastor of Eagles Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Well, we've been in a series called Horizontal Habits. It's week three. We've been talking about what are some of those horizontal habits that we need to incorporate in our life? Now, why do we call it horizontal habits? Because if you look at the cross, the cross goes up and down vertically, and then it goes across horizontally. Uh, the two greatest commandments in the Bible, it says, love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind. That's a vertical habit. We know about worship. We just got finished worshiping the Lord in an incredible way. That's a vertical habit. That is something that should take place in your life every day, not just on Sunday. But what about those horizontal habits? Jesus also said that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So we love God vertically, and then we love other people horizontally. Just like we have vertical habits like prayer, like reading the Bible and worship, we should have vertical habits. And those are the things that we need to do every day or on a regular basis in terms of how we relate to one another. So that's what we've been talking about today. You can't just have your vertical habits and not have your horizontal habits. You can't say you're right with God and then you're wrong with your brother or your sister. So that's what we're talking about and that's what we're going to continue to explore over the next few weeks. Let's pray. Father, all of our help comes from you. We're nothing without you, Lord Jesus. So we surrender ourselves to you. We, we come underneath your word today. We pray that the word of God will guide us, will lead us, and that you will give us understanding and give us knowledge, not just so we can hear it, but so we can do it. So Father, help us to be doers of your word today. Father, may the presence of the living God surround us today and speak to us today. We love you. We praise you. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, Lord, may it be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody? If all of your help comes from the Lord, we ought to give him praise. The story is told of the Pope who came to visit Atlanta, Georgia. The Pope was picked up at the airport by a limousine driver, and the Pope was driven through Atlanta around I-285. The Pope started talking to the limo driver, and the Pope said, because of my position and because of, um, of my power, and I don't get a chance to drive a lot. Everywhere I go, they always have drivers for me. And you know what? 
I want to drive today. I have this urge to drive today. So he asked the limo driver to pull over and to let him drive the limo. And the limo driver was a good Catholic man, so he wasn't going to deny the Pope, uh, you know, his wishes. So the Pope got in the driver's seat, and the limo driver got in the back seat. And the Pope started driving around 285. Y'all, and he put the pedal to the metal. He was going 85 to 95 miles per hour. He was booking it around I-285. He was enjoying himself. Woo, man, he, he couldn't believe it because he very rarely got a chance to drive. All of a sudden, a police car pulled up behind him, put the siren on and the light, and pulled the limo over. The policeman got out of his car and walked up to the limo and knocked on the window and said, roll down the window. And they rolled down the window, and the policeman looked inside, and he could not believe what he saw. In fact, he almost fainted. He didn't know what to say. He was, he was speechless. So he went back to his patrol car, and he called up his police chief. He said, police chief, you, you, you're not going to believe who I just pulled over. I just pulled over a limo with a VIP inside of it. The police chief said, well, who, who, who is it? Is it? Is it the mayor? The policeman said, no, it's, it's not the mayor. This, this person is more important than the mayor. The police chief said, well, is, is, it, is it the governor? The, the policeman said, no, it's, it's not even the governor. This person is more important than the governor. The, policeman, uh, the police chief said, well, is it the president of the United States? The policeman said, no, it's not even the president of the United States. This person is more important than the president of the United States. The police chief said, well... Who, who is this person you pulled over? The policeman said, I, I don't know who he is, but whoever he is, he has the Pope as his chauffeur. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that tomorrow, okay? <laughs> you see, a lot of people are impressed about who drives us around? But God is not impressed about who drives us around. God is more impressed by what drives us, what's on the inside of us. And one of the things that God is impressed with, with his followers, the most is our service to one another, not the house we live in, not how much money you have, not who you hang out with. If you want to impress God, of course, you need to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, but if you want to impress God, then you need to learn how to serve somebody. Our service to one another is what should drive us. So I want to speak to you today from the subject, gifted 
to served. Repeat after me. Say, I am gifted to serve. That means that you have a special gift to serve. That means in, in church vernacular that you are anointed to serve. Somebody, some group, some assignment. God has created you to serve. He's given you some special abilities, not just for you, but for you to serve. Gifted to serve. Our key verse today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. If you have your devices or if you want to look on the screen or if you have your Bibles, again, I'm reading it from the New American Standard Bible. 1 Peter in the New Testament, chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it, in other words, use it, in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. What an incredible passage. Use this special gift that you have, and I hope you know what your special gift is. Use it. Employ it to serve somebody, to serve one another, and you need to be a good steward of it because God's grace is so multifaceted, meaning that whatever he's called you to do, he's going to give you the grace to do it. You don't have the grace to do what somebody else is called to do. God gives you the, the grace to do what you are called to do. So you don't have to try to be like anybody else. You don't have to covet or be jealous or envious of somebody else's gift because God has given you a special gift, and he's given you the grace to use it, and that gift is special. So that begs the question, since we're going to be talking about serving one another, the gift to serve or gifted to serve, what does serving mean? What does serving mean? Another word for serving is servanthood. Servanthood. Let's look at the definition for servanthood. Servanthood is the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of another in the name of Christ. So in order to be a servant... In order to participate in servanthood, the first thing this definition says is you have to humble yourself. Arrogant people don't like to serve anybody but themselves. Or they will do something that will only benefit themselves. But a true servant humbles himself. It, it is the act uh, for the, to act rather for the benefit in the name of Christ, the benefit of another in the name of Christ. But then look at this other part. Servanthood is to give of yourself in order to make someone else's life or situation better. So you give of your time, 
You give of your talents. You give of your treasures to make someone else's life better or someone else's situation better. When is the last time you have purposely humbled yourself to make someone else's life better or someone else's situation better? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way. I love this quote. He says, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. So we can all be great in whatever God has called us to do because we can all serve. I believe it is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. The disciples were sitting around the table, and they literally got in an argument about which one of them was going to be the greatest. And instead of Jesus rebuking them, which you would have thought that Jesus would have said, hey, I can't believe y'all are talking about this. Instead of him rebuking them, he actually redefined what greatness means. And he gave them a lesson on what greatness is. And he says, to be great you must be a servant. You must be a servant. So there are many ways we can serve one another, but today I want to give you three profound ways, three very simple ways that you and I can serve one another. Horizontal habits. Number one, how do we serve one another? The first thing we need to do is by meeting each other's needs. So we serve one another by meeting each other's needs on purpose. Meeting someone else's needs. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. And it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Carry it. You ever been to the airport or somewhere, or maybe you're at a grocery store, and you saw somebody um, trying to carry something that was too heavy for them? Maybe it was luggage. I know they have the rollers on now, but I remember the days when there were no rollers on luggage. And you, I used to walk through the airport, and you had this big luggage. And so carrying luggage, and a lot of people have a lot of luggage in their life. They have a lot of burdens. They have a lot of things weighing them down. And so what this verse says is we need to carry each other's burdens. We need to go to them and, and lighten the load for them. When is the last time you've lightened the load for someone else? Or have you been so wrapped up in your own world that you don't even see the load that other people have? What kind of burden should we help people carry? There are myriad burdens But we can help people carry physical burdens. These are people who need our help physically, okay? We can help people carry financial burdens. Uh, These are people who need financial assistance or, or maybe just financial encouragement. 
we can also help people carry their emotional burdens. When someone goes through a divorce or job loss or disappointment or they're having to make a tough decision or when someone experienced death of a loved one, we have to help them to carry that emotional burden. So you all, this past Monday or last Monday was Labor Day and I got a call from one of my neighbors and um, he told me that his grandson, who was a Morehouse student, maybe you saw it on the news, two Morehouse men, incredible students who had phenomenal futures ahead of them, were tragically killed in a car accident. And this grandfather called me and he said, Pastor Lee, I'm, I'm here on the scene of the accident. And they have a, a sheet pulled over my grandson right now. And he just said, I just needed to hear your voice, Pastor Lee. Now, this grandson, two years ago, came to Eagle's Nest Church and wanted me to come and talk to him about the Lord because he wanted to rededicate his life to Christ. So I met with this young man. Yeah, amen for that. I met with this young man, and I was so impressed with him. And I prayed with him, and then he says, I, wanted to be I want to be baptized. So we ba I baptized him right at our former location, right at the fam Faze Family Center, right outside. We did a baptism service, he and some of the other teenagers. So two years ago, I baptized this young man. So his grandfather said, Pastor Lee, you have to be the one to do the eulogy. And so on Saturday, we're having his funeral at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Me and Reverend and Senator Raphael Warnock are going to be officiating the service. And you know, I, I told my wife, I just didn't know what to say. When I walked in the house and saw the young man's parents and all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and his grandparents. And I told my wife, I said, Martika, I felt so inadequate. Even though I'm the pastor, I'm the person who is supposed to bring the words of encouragement. I said, yeah, I said some things, but I felt like it was so inadequate. Yes, I prayed with them, I cried with them, but I felt like it was so inadequate. And my wife said, your ministry of presence just you being there help lift and carry their load. So you all sometimes just being there for somebody who's going through a divorce, who lost their job, who's going through a, a tragic death in their family, sometimes just being there helps people to, to, to lighten their load. So one of the things, y'all, we have to do is we have to help other people carry their burdens. That's how we, we love one another, and it is how we serve one another. Well, there are a couple of roadblocks, you all, that we have to contend with when it comes to carrying another person's burden. One of the roadblocks that keeps us from doing it is pride. Say pride. 
pride is a big roadblock. Why do I say that? Because a lot of people don't want other people to help them. For some of you all, the reason your burden is so light, I'm sorry, is so heavy and not light, is because you're not allowing someone else to come and help you to carry the burden. And the reason you're not allowing someone else to come and help you to carry the burden is because of pride. You don't want anybody to know that you're struggling. You don't want anybody to know that your marriage is in trouble. You don't want anybody to know uh, that things aren't going well financially. You don't want anybody to know that you're experiencing some emotional issues. Now, I'm not saying the whole world needs to know, and I'm not saying you just go talk to anybody about your burdens and your problem, but I am saying a lot of people unnecessarily carry heavy loads in their life because of pride. Pride. Another thing that is a big impediment to people when it comes to helping to care for people or to carry each other's burdens is the consumer mentality that we have. In other words, it's all about me. I gotta, I gotta come to church. I don't come to church to help people. I don't come to church to get involved in people's lives. I come to church to get a word for me. Now, I want you to get a word from you, but you don't treat the church like it's a department store. Like I'm coming here just to get something from me. I'm going to get what I need and I'm going to just leave. And then you have hundreds, if not thousands of people who are around you. No, the church is about relationship. It's not about you coming into this place and being around these people just to see what you can get. Yes, you ought to get something, but you ought to give something. How are you serving someone else? In the Bible, they have a name for somebody who just wants to take and not give. They call it a leech. A leech is a little bug, and all the leech will do is suck the blood out of you. The leech only takes now, some of y'all say, well, where is that in the Bible? Okay, look at this. Look at Proverbs 30, 15. A leech has two daughters, and both are named, give me. <laughs> you can look at it in any translation, y'all. In other words, a leech, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me. What's in it for me? Give me my song. Give me my message. Give me my word. Let me give my, get my praise on. Yes, that's good. Make me feel good. And we come Sunday after Sunday with this leech or consumer mentality. Don't give of our time. Don't give of our talent. Don't give of our treasure. Or when we do give, we just tip God a little something, something. But we want a whole lot from God, but we don't want to give God a whole lot. Consumer mentality. And then another thing that is a roadblock 
is the philosophy of this. It's none of my business. In other words, if somebody is going through something, it ain't my business. If, some, if, if I hear somebody's having a marital problem, I don't want to get involved. That's none of my business. If I, heard, if I hear somebody's going through a divorce, you can look right at them, and you might be hearing rumors. It may be true. It may not be true. Somebody's struggling. It's not my business. So a lot of times, in the name of it not being our business, we don't bear each other's burdens. If you hear about something, of somebody you know, even if you don't think it is true or you're not sure it's true, why don't you pick up the phone and ask them, here's what I'm hearing. Are you doing okay? But sometimes we don't want to do that because we don't want to get in anybody's business. How about this? You have to get in somebody's business in order to help carry their burden. You have to. So the first thing we have to do, you all, to serve one another is meeting each other's needs. When is the last time you've met someone's needs? The second thing that we do to serve one another is we serve one another by using our special gifts and abilities. Using that special thing that God has put inside of you, those special abilities, use it. That's how you serve the kingdom of God. That's how you serve your local church. That's how you serve the community. Now, let me say this up front. Using your special gifts and abilities in the context of the local church can be a gift and a grind. It's not easy. It can be a thrill and it can be a burden. It can be exhilarating and it can be exhausting. So I don't want you to think that just because you give of your time and your talents in church that it is going to be easy. That there won't be some challenges. All right, let's look at 1 Peter 4.10, the verse that I read to start this off. It says, and each one has received a special gift. Think about what your special gift is. Employ it, use it in serving one another as good stewards. A steward is someone who manages what is given to them. The steward doesn't own it. The steward is the manager. So you all, when God gives us a gift, our responsibility is to manage that gift. If you have a business gift, if you have a gift for making money, if you have a gift for managing people, if you have a, a gift for serving, if you have hospitality gift, there's so many different spiritual and practical gifts. So the question is, how are you managing that gift? By the way, you're going to have to give an account for how you manage what God has given you. So it says, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. But then it goes on, y'all, in verse 11. Look at the continuation of this verse. It says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. So if you're called to preach, to teach, to lead, 
Be bold. Because it is God speaking through you. Then it says, whoever serves. Now that's a catch-all phrase for doing anything. Whoever serves is to do it so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Then it goes on to say this. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about glorifying you. It's about glorifying Jesus Christ through you. To whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You all, we need more people to work. The church, Eagles Nest Church, and any church for that matter, matter, is not a cruise ship. This is not where you come, and I love me some cruises, you all. It's not where you come and just sit back and do nothing and say, preach to me, sing to me. Minister to me, let me get what I want, let me just lay back and do nothing, and you do all the work, and then I leave. That's a cruise ship. The church is a battleship. When you get on a battleship, you have an assignment because you have an enemy to fight. And so we need all hands on deck. So we need you. That's why we're having this volunteer fair. We, we need you. It's so important that you volunteer. Lastly, how do we serve one another? Well, let me do a review of number one and two. By meeting each other's needs, and that means lifting and helping them to carry their burdens, by using our special gifts and abilities. And then number three, how do we serve one another By doing what Jesus said. Just do what Jesus said. Well, what did he say? He said a lot of things. I mentioned one to you. He said, the greatest amongst you is the one who is willing to serve. So you want to be great. You want to make a lot of money. You want to be known. You want to impact people's lives. Serve. Serve. Contribute. Let's look at some of the most powerful verses in the word of God, you all. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verses 3 to 11. And we're going to just talk about these a little bit and then wrap this thing up. By doing what Jesus said. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. Let's look at it. The Apostle Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But we have people who come to this church, and it's all about them serving, but they're wanting to serve for the wrong reason. They're wanting to serve because of selfish ambition. Now, look at what the word says. It didn't say do nothing out of ambition. But it said selfish ambition. It's okay to be ambitious towards something. 
to have a burning desire towards something. It just can't be all about you. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, because you conceit it. You want people to see you. Rather, in humility, there's that word again, value others above yourselves. Then it goes on to say, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Then it makes an incredible statement. In your relationships with one another, with what? One another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That begs the question, what is this mindset that we're supposed to have? Here it is, verses 6 through 8 in Philippians 2. Now we're going to talk about Jesus' mindset. It says, who, meaning Jesus, being in very nature God. In other words, Jesus was God, is God. And it says, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And some of the traditional versions say, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to tightly. Let me break it down. Jesus is God, but he did not consider his power and authority as something he needed to hold on to tightly. His position, his power. So what did he do? Look at the next part of this verse. Rather, he made himself nothing, say nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. This introduces a concept you all call the hypostatic union of Christ. So when you go to work, Tomorrow, and somebody said, what did you learn in church? You can really impress them. We talked about the hypostatic union of Christ. The hypostatic union of Christ is this, the joining of the divine and the human in one person of Jesus. It's these two natures coming together. It is the realization that Jesus was fully human and fully God. So what that verse is saying that I read is that Jesus, even though he is deity, he put on human clothes. God put on human clothes. Jesus, I love what it says. It says it's the realization, the hypostatic union, that Jesus was fully God and fully human. So Jesus, you all listen to this, he was fully human because he got thirsty just like you and I, but he was fully God because he walked on water. He was fully human because he got hungry. He was fully God because he fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. He was fully human because he experienced storms just like you and I do, He was fully God because even the wind and the seas obeyed him. He was fully human because he could be tempted, yet he was fully God because he had no sin. 
He was fully human because he died on a cross. He was fully God because he rose on the third day. Oh, that's something to give God praise about right there. So if God can humble himself as powerful as he is and step down and not hold on so tightly to his own power, if God can serve, then Mr. Big Stuff, who do you think you are? You too good to serve. We've been in existence for 11 years, and one of the things I love is when people come to me and a lot of people say, I'm called to preach. I want to preach. I want to teach. Yes, we need more preachers and teachers in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. But some of these folks, they don't want to serve, they just want to preach. They want to go from the, from the pew to the pulpit, and they don't want to do anything in between. They don't want to put on the clothes of an usher. They don't want to put on the clothes of a parking lot attendant. They don't want to put on the clothes of an Eagle Kids worker, children's ministry worker. They don't want to put on the clothes of working with the teenagers. They only want to put on the clothes of a preacher so they can be on stage. So I many times can see right through that. And so what I will do is not deny that they are called to preach or teach, but what I would often do is give them an assignment just to see how they're going to handle it. And do you know most people flunked that test? I'm not going to usher. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk to children. I'm not going to talk to teenagers. I'm above that. Well, with all due respect, you won't see that this stage unless you serve. So you all, when I got ordained as a minister, I was 30 years old when I got my ministry license. Prior to that, I had, uh, you know, years before that, I was very active in a ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So through that ministry, I spoke all around uh, the nation even when I was like 19, 20, 21, thousands of people. So here I am at this church, and the pastor um, you know, knew that I was called to preach and teach. Um, and so me and an, another group of people, he ordained us. So we had a meeting the next week, and he says, okay, I'm going to give you all your assignments. So since I had more experience than any of the other ministers speaking, I knew my assignment. I just knew it. It was going to be preaching to the congregation and teaching to the congregation. Now, the rest of those guys, they need to work with the children. <laughs> but me, I need to be on the main stage. That's what I was thinking. 
So the pastor began to give us our assignments. He said, so-and-so, I want you to do this. So-and-so, I want you to do this. So-and-so, I want you to do this. And Lee Jenkins, your assignment is the children's ministry. I want you to go teach every Sunday the little children. And y'all, I'm not talking about 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds. I'm talking about 3-year-olds, 4-year-olds, 5-year-olds, babies, kids, y'all. So I'm like, oh, my God, I've never spoken to children before. So I got my lesson together, and I came, and I, t- and I started teaching these kids, and they weren't even paying attention to me, y'all. They were like, you know, they were just doing all kind of stuff. I said, y'all, listen, listen. So I was like, it was, it was terrible. So I had to find a way to relate to them. So then I had to go back the next Sunday. I said, okay, I got to make this so simple. So one of the reasons and one of the compliments that I get a lot as a communicator is people say, we understand you. Our children understand you. Our teenagers understand you. When you teach and preach, Pastor Lee, I can take it and I can apply it to my life because it is, it is heavy enough you know, to challenge me, but it's simple enough for me to apply in our lives. In our life. So, y'all, y'all, the reason I'm simple is because that's how I started in ministry. I had to be simple. To these children. And so I remember this one little girl, her name was Angel, and she was so bad. <laughs> and I wanted to tell her parents, you should have named her Satan instead of Angel. She was so bad, she would just holler out stuff, ah, I don't want to hear that. It was just terrible, y'all. So for a whole year, I was preaching and teaching to little bitty kids. And then the next year went to high school. And that was even worse. <laughs> they didn't even want to listen to me. No story work. And then even when it was good, they don't want to act like it's good. Because it's not cool to enjoy something that an adult is saying. So you all, here I am grinding, grinding with children for years, with teenagers for years, and the biggest crowd I spoke to during that time might have been 20 people. 20. I'm grinding. And all of a sudden, I get a call, and this was back in the late 90s, from a national men's ministry. And there are a lot of things that led to this, but I got a call from a national men's ministry called Promise Keepers. They knew about my financial uh, background, and at that time, I was an investment advisor, and they said, we want you to be on our speaking team. I couldn't believe it. I flew to the uh, speaker's retreat, and some of the guys I had been listening to my whole, uh, you know, Christian life, like Dr. Tony Evans and, and John Maxwell, the leadership guru, all of them were in the room, and I was in the room with them. And then the first time I spoke at a Promise Keepers, you all, it was 50,000 people. How do you go from 20 people to 50,000 people overnight? Then I spoke, and next thing you know, a couple of publishers heard me speak, and then next thing you know, I had a book deal, and the rest is history. And through that, I met T.D. Jakes and all these other people. Next thing you know, I'm speaking at conferences. All of that started, you all when I was teaching little children, when I was teaching little children, serving little children. So what am I saying? God can catapult you when you humble yourself, 
when you don't think you're all that and you just say, this is my assignment, I'm going to give it all I have. So I go from speaking to 20 people to 50,000. I go from nobody knowing me to sitting at the kitchen table with T.D. Jakes at his house, a speaker at one of his men's conferences. That's what God can do when you are committed to serving. Let me leave you with this last scripture because I'm going to show you what happens. Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Therefore, this is when Jesus stripped, when God became Jesus and, and, and he came to the earth and he says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above, that is above every name. And then it goes on to say, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So he humbled himself, became Jesus, died on the cross for our sins, became a servant, and God exalted him. So you all may be one of the reasons you're not being exalted. It's because you're not serving. It's because you're, it's all about give me, give me, give me instead of what can I give. This is not in the Bible, but John F. Kennedy said, ask not what you can do for your country, before. ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, I change it. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that we're gifted to serve. So, Lord, right now, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, maybe some of the reasons that some of you aren't operating in your gift, maybe some of the reasons you're not making a huge difference is because you don't have a profound relationship with Jesus. So if you're online, you can indicate this by going in the chat. But if you're here in person and you're saying, Pastor Lee, I want to give my heart to Jesus right now. I want to commit my life to him. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Anybody? All you got to do, I see that hand right there. Okay, I see some hands. Okay, you can put your hand down. And I'm going to say a prayer for the people who raised their hand, and I would like for everyone whether you raise your hand or not, to repeat this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. So I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me a new person right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word. 
eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles. Eagles.